Welcome, everyone. Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 8th. Uh, 2019. Welcome to the Daily Kofefi. I'm Carter, and I'm here as always with the Bad Mama Jamma, who is taking videos of the rain. <laughs> Good morning, Carter. <laughs> I was just telling Carter that um, there was a huge downpour here yesterday. It actually drove me in. I was weeding, and it drove me inside, and I took a video of it to show him, and he said, you're officially an old person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who takes videos of the weather to share with people, but good job. <laughs> Good job, Carrie. You can follow us on, uh, or subscribe. Please subscribe to us on, on YouTube. Uh, that's the best way to support us right now. Uh, so please do that. And uh, I guess that's it for the intro. Carrie, do you have anything in particular that you want to talk about today? Not really. I didn't really look at the news yet today. Um, well, actually, I saw all, all I saw was a couple of things about some of the presidential candidates. I don't know if you saw that. Cory no, Booker. I saw a thing about Trump, Trump just invoked executive privilege. <clears throat> so for some of the Russia gate, I don't know what we're calling it, uh, Russia collusion stuff, I guess uh, the Democrats in the House want to look at the unredacted Mueller report, which was re parts of it were redacted. Very little of it was actually redacted, but parts of it were redacted uh, due to things like confidential, like classified information and ongoing investigations because there's still stuff being investigated and you can't release things because uh, it could screw up an investigation. So they got all pissed off. And I think they um, they they sent a subpoena to the White House. And the White House is like, no, we're not giving you more information. Which, you know, uh, I think this whole thing just, people's reaction just completely depends on where they are, what, what they already think. So yeah. if you're a Trump supporter, your answer is like, yeah, of course, there's ongoing investigations. And he knows that you guys would just leak it. And leak the portions of it that were most damaging, if po if possible, and use it against him. And you don't need it. Um, and and there's ongoing investigations and other stuff that shouldn't be in there. So that would be their stance. And that's all true, I'm sure. Uh, and from the Democrat side, they're like, Trump just doesn't want us to see the, the you know the details and blah 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 blah. It might implicate him. And like, I don't know. Maybe it does look make him look bad. So that might be true also. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I don't think. Anything that's happening now in this whole thing, which is one of the reasons we don't aren't talking about it much, but anything that's happening now, I don't think changes anyone's mind on anything at this point. Uh, no, it's, I mean, I've, I'm not a Trump voter. People watch this podcast know that, but this whole Russia thing has been just a, a shell game, you know, just a, a, a distraction. It's, it's nothing. And it keeps people occupied with something um, so that they're not paying attention to what things that might actually affect their lives. Yeah. I, I, um, I just finished, uh, uh, I recently finished um, Spygate by um, Dan Bongino and, and DC McAllister, Denise McAllister. Um, and what's fascinating, it's, it's about the Trump-Russia thing, but what's fascinating to me about it is um, to use a Trump term, the whole thing is so swampy. There's so much weirdness going on between and and I, i'm i'm not saying there's not weirdness with trump there was some but really what struck me more was all the weirdness with uh the hillary clinton campaign and uh and the fbi and the department of justice and uh the intelligence community generally and just all of this kind of crazy stuff there's still not really an understanding of what quote paragraph one is, which is like 
how did things actually start? And, um, and there's just a lot of connections between, you know, Clinton and the dossier. And like, it's just, I mean, you realize like really normal, like, I don't like some basic things. Here's two basic things that I, 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 I don't want to talk about this too much, but there's two basic things that I think people should know. One is there's all this, like, we know for certain that Russia hacked the DNC servers. We know who it is. Even the Mueller report is like Lucifer, blah, blah, blah. Right. No one ever looked at DNC servers except for a private company hired by the DNC. Wow. The FBI never saw the servers. So oh, that's right. They wouldn't let the FBI look at it. I forgot about that. Never let anyone look at the servers ever. They paid wow. a private company who did an investigation and said, it's the Russians. And that was the end of it. And they never let, so just that is kind of like totally weird, totally weird. Um, and maybe it was the Russians. And how weird is it that we forget facts like that? Right. And we're supposed to like, and we're supposed to read this report and go, oh, well, the intelligence committee says it definitely isn't. The Mueller report says right here, it definitely is the Russians. But like, what's that based on? It's based on a private company's who was hired by the DNC to tell them what went wrong uh, assessment. So, um, you know, there's, there's weird things like that. And there's also weird things. I don't know if people maybe remember this, but it was the DNC who paid their lawyer Perkins Cooey to hire fusion GPS to do opposition research on Trump, which was basically the Genesis of this dossier, which was then passed to, um, the FBI in a route that went through the intelligence community to make it look real, even though it didn't actually, it wasn't like self-generated from the intelligence community. It was yeah. passed through the intelligence community to the FBI so that it looked real. And then to get a FISA warrant, the FBI said the corroborating evidence is the story in BuzzFeed. Yes. Is the dossier, which, which was just leaked. It's the same dossier. Leaked. So, the like, same. There's they so used the dossier. Evidence. Yeah, the same dossier to say this is the yeah. Yeah. So look, even if Trump was 100% guilty of everything, uh, you would need – you people who care about the country need to be very, very, very concerned about the process and the, and the shit that happened on the back end here. Um, and those are just two kind of high-level things that uh, are obvious and true and I don't think disputed by anyone. Um, and frankly – if I was going to investigate something, those are the kind of things I would investigate. To say nothing of like the weird text between Peter Strzok and his his paramour uh, talking about insurance plans and we'll, then we'll never let this guy get elected and don't worry and we haven't – like all this kind of weird stuff. Um, it's uh, – like I said, even if the guy's guilty, which I don't think he is guilty of what they're claiming he is, but even if he were, the bigger story is – how the machinery of the state was used um, to go after someone, even if it eventually uncovered something real, which again, I don't think it did. Uh, that's, that's uh, it's, it's scary. It's scary. It's very concerning. And it's, that's why I say it's like a shell game. You're not paying attention to what you should be paying attention to. They're telling everyone and they work, they're working in collusion with the media of course, right. And the media is telling us what we should be focusing on. Right. Which is not what we should be focusing on. It's right. Like, so Chris feels like, oh, I'm going to leak this to the media and I'm going to give it to the DOJ 
um, or sorry, I should say the uh, CIA, um, and have them, maybe it was just someone, I don't remember who it was, Brenner. Uh, I'm going to leak it to the media, give it to, to the intelligence community, have them give it to the FBI. The FBI is going to then look at the media link, leak, <laughs> and like use that as corroborating evidence. It's just totally, it's totally corrupt. It's totally corrupt. And did Trump obstruct justice? Or do things that that would be obstruction of justice? Like maybe, yeah, I don't know, but uh, that's not my problem. I mean, like, yeah, I got problems with politicians, but that's not as scary to me. A guy trying to obstruct justice because he doesn't want people going after what is eventually a, a nothing burger. Um, yeah, that's a pain in the ass. It's Trump. It's bad. If that was the uh, extent of the crimes, I would say, yeah, let's let's go after him and get someone better in the White House. But He's like the best of, it's, I don't want to say he's the best, but like everyone around him is worse. Everyone, <laughs> they're like, it's like this, this, these swamp creatures like pointing out a wart on the guy. I'm like, yeah, he has a wart. Let's get rid of that. Uh, that's, the, that's the last priority. Can we first figure out what the hell you guys are doing with FISA courts? And are you trying to set people up? And, um, you know, are you, is the, is, is the DNC getting away with paying for opposition research and having it funneled in so they can spy on people. It's just, and yeah. then there's an argument. It's not spying, it's surveillance. Like I, I saw a tweet yesterday that oh, was yeah. like, surveillance is the fancy French word for spying. Um, exactly. so <laughs> surveillance. This is the, uh, the um, get the beam out of your own eye. Yeah. Anyway, I, I really didn't want to talk too much. I'll stop about the Mueller report. Uh, well, no, you made me think of something. Um, the first thing you were talking about, uh, about how, oh yeah, the, 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 I completely forgot that fact that they didn't let the, the DNC did not let the FBI look at their servers. They refused. And right. that's, that's no one's fine. ever seen them. No and that's ever... fine. And they take their word for it. And it made me think of that moment in um, the hoax documentary where, <laughs> hey, no, sh, sh, sh. there's a lot of little dogs in here today. <laughs> good. It Everybody good? Documentary? Yeah. So it made me think of that moment in the hoax documentary where, um, Cerner's just showing the, the clip that of the interview he did on 60 Minutes. And the they're trying to say that he he pushes fake news, but they're so oblivious to their own fake news, they don't even see the questions coming. So they ask him, for example, um, what's his name? Scott Paley, is that the guy on 60 Minutes? He asked him, you know, you pushed a rumor that you, um, after there was that video of Clinton, like passing out. Right, Remember right. That video? And you pushed a rumor that you, there was a doctor who's diagnosed her without ever having seen her and said that she had Parkinson's. And Cernovich is like, well, the doctor thought she did, you know, and he's, and, and he asked them that Scott Paley's like, but, but she had pneumonia. She had pneumonia. And Cernovich is like, how do you know that? And he's like, because they told us that the campaign told us that. Well, why would you trust the campaign? Right. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't have an answer because right. they just take their word for it. It's not well, journalism. If it was the Trump campaign, but they would if it was the Clinton campaign. Oh, totally. If it was the Trump campaign, they wouldn't take. And by the way, they're hypocrites because they're all di armchair diagnosing Trump. I mean. Right. Yeah, they constantly. do that all the time. They've got books by people who've never met Trump about how he is psychological issues. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, um, I, one, I will say one last thing about the Russia nothing burger. This just perfectly encapsulates where they, I don't think they, they realize that it's backfiring. So someone like me, who's a lifelong Democrat, who did not vote for Trump, they have done a lot in the past two years to make me really empathize with the man. 
And they haven't done anything that shows me that they care about things that actually affect my life as a voter. It's just a complete circus. And so I think there's a lot of people like me, liberals, who are not going to be voting for the Democratic candidate in 2020. That's just my Yeah, opinion. or they'll be voting for, yeah, yeah, not just not for the Democratic candidate. Yeah. Right. Some I mean, I might vote for Tulsi Gabbard or something in the primaries, but I'm... Right. Yeah. Well, can we talk about a couple of the candidates then? Is that a good segue? <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about the candidates, yeah, I don't know the news you're talking about, so tell us. So um, look this up because I, I, I didn't get it in depth into it yet, but Cory Booker basically was talking about having, he wants to do a national gun registry. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Which again, this is something I didn't used to understand about why that's wrong. I was like, mm -hmm. why shouldn't there be a registry? And now look at what's happening in New Zealand. That's exactly why there shouldn't be a registry because then they know as the guns. And if they, when they say, Hey, you can't, when they take away your second amendment rights, they can go and confiscate the gun. Yeah. Do you remember um do you remember the movie Red Dawn? I do, but I didn't watch it. Was it good? How dare you not watch the movie Red Dawn? I mean the original one with Patrick Swayze. Uh yeah, I mean in I mean, granted this was a silly, uh fantastical movie of something that would never happen, but in the movie the US is invaded by um <clears throat> Soviets and their allies. And uh I think uh I don't remember if they're Cubans or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, yeah, the guy in charge on the ground in this small town where they, they, they land in this town to take it over. Uh, first thing he does, he's like, go to the gun store and uh, find out the forms of, I forget the number of, you know, of people who've purchased firearms and like, uh, get it, go round those people up. Go get, get yeah. Uh, a national registry just makes that easier, both for foreign invaders, which I think we are unlikely to experience anytime soon, um, but more importantly for, for our own governments. And Venezuela is a great example as well. The other thing about Booker is that he, he said in a statement, uh, I am sick and tired of hearing thoughts and prayers for the communities that have been shattered by gun violence. This is a constant thing now that they all say. They, they're basically denigrating thoughts and prayers, which... I well, find no, but I find something. I, there's something really distasteful about that to me. There, it's like mocking. It's like it makes me think of Obama's comment about clinging to their God and their guns or something. Remember that quote? Clinging to their God and their guns. Yeah, vaguely. It's a kind of looking down their nose at people who pray. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm less likely to take it personally. Um, but. Uh, I don't, I don't really view it that way. I just view it as like this. Uh, it's a, it's a call to action. It's like, yeah, your thoughts and prayers aren't enough. Like, so that's why they say fuck your thoughts and prayers because it's like, we need to act. We need to act. Your thoughts and prayers are useless, right? We but, need to. But they're wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they need to. You know, you know, that's their. Yeah. They view thoughts and prayers as a response to. They view thoughts and prayers as a hollow response because what they want is a response where you ban the guns. And just to be clear, banning the guns means taking the guns out of the hands of private citizens and giving them to police officers and the military. Uh, so there's no such thing as an actual gun ban. No country doesn't have guns. It's just the government has guns. Uh, the same police and government that most of the left is uh, 
claiming that there's, you know, I mean, they hate of, them. They hate the cops. They they talk about how the cops are horrible and racist all the time. Uh, and only the cops should have guns. That's their position. And Trump so. is Hitler. Let's give Hitler all of our guns. Yes, yes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the rationale. So Owen Benjamin back back before he went a little off off the reservation. Um, he had a really funny video about that. It was a basically it was a he made a parody video of uh, like it's time it's time to give our guns to Hitler. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, because you know. That always goes well. Let's switch topics for a minute. Let's pull up this. Let's talk about Uber and Lyft. And I only care about this because uh, I was I was going to take an Uber today. <laughs> um, maybe I still will. Or Lyft. I was going to take a Lyft. Uh, so Uber and Lyft are striking today. Apparently, a bunch of people on Uber and Lyft platforms are striking today. Um, they're saying, don't use the app. We're not going to drive today, blah, blah, blah. They're demanding uh, a guaranteed $28 per hour minimum rate. Um, what? That's, is that kind of high, right? Well, they, they say, so the after expenses like gas, uh, it gets to $17 an hour after those expenses. Um, and apparently New York City has, has done that. So... That's what's going on in the Uber Lyft world. Uh, I'm not opposed to this strike. Uh, I think striking is fine. Um, that's how that's how free markets work. Um, you strike. I don't think the government should get involved. I don't think New York should mandate anything. But if the drivers can get away with uh, demanding something from Uber, and it's a negotiation. That's how you negotiate. So, you know, good for them. Maybe they'll get more money out of it. Um, I don't know that they should. They're making weird arguments that's like, uh, you know, it's weird. <laughs> there's this, there's this um, movement within, uh, I, I see it mostly on the left of the, we'll call it the shared economy, the economy where you like work part time with by driving your car or whatever. And the gig economy, I guess, is the, the yeah. word. Um, <clears throat> And of course, you're not a full-time employee at that point. Uh, and when you're not a full-time employee, then you don't get benefits and all this other stuff. And so um, people are complaining about that and they're blaming the companies. But you know, you can't really blame Uber and Lyft for this. Uh, Uber and Lyft only arose because it's cheaper to do it that way. Like they wouldn't, those companies wouldn't exist if right. you a full-time employee doing all of that stuff. Like, so it, its existence is predicated on the fact that you're not a full-time employee and you're, and you're less expensive. That's the entire model. So, uh, you know, I, I don't. All of the gig economies are that way. I mean, that's why Airbnb is a thing. It's like, it started anyway, because it's right. cheaper to book a room at somebody's house than a hotel. Not always, you know, now there's like fancy Airbnb destinations right. and stuff, but so anyway, if you're looking for Uber or Lyft today, you may not get it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to affect the app. I haven't, I haven't looked at the app yet. Um, but, but you've got Sanders. You've got Bernie, your favorite Bernie pal. Uber says it can't pay its drivers more money, but rewarded its CEO with nearly $50 million last year. People who work for multi-billion dollar companies should not have to work 70 or 80 hours a week to get by. I stand with Uber and Lyft drivers going on strike on May 8th. So I also stand with them. I think it's okay for them to go on strike. But uh, 
this this kind of language is uh, is indicative of ignorance over business. So people who work multi-billion dollar for multi-billion dollar companies shouldn't have to work 70 or 80 hours a week. They don't have to. They can quit. <laughs> they do not have to do that, Bernie. If there's another opportunity that makes better money, they are free to go do that. That's how, that's how actual voluntary exchange between free individuals works. So they don't have to. And this idea that like, oh, the CEO shouldn't make so much money. Um, so socialists, socialists are inherently arrogant. Um, and this is part of like central planners are inherently the most arrogant people on the planet because they think that they can plan how everything goes, which we can get into another discussion someday about how massively arrogant that is. But they think that they know what's best for things. Um, and so for Bernie, the CEO, he, he imagines the CEO of Uber like he just sits around a mahogany desk and makes some phone calls and has some meetings and like, not that hard. Anyone can be the CEO. Why does he get 50 million bucks? Uh, he gets 50 million bucks because he's worth more than 50 million bucks. That's how that works. Hmm. Like, companies pay you because you are worth more than what you're being paid. So if he makes $50 million, it means he is responsible for bringing in more than $50 million to Uber. So I don't know if that's always the case. Absolutely. It's over the long term. I mean, in the short term, you can overpay someone and realize, but that, then the board fires them, right? Generally, right? But that's, this is how... The idea that it's easy to run a company like that is, is something that you can only have if you've never run a company. Um, it's extremely complex. There are very few people in the world who can do a good job of managing a company the size of Uber. And those people are worth a shit ton of money. You don't, complain, you don't see him complaining about how much LeBron James makes because LeBron James, I don't even know what team, I'm so not about Are we talking about football now? I think it's basketball. I'm kidding. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Like he brings in more money than he is, than he's paid in salary. That's right? an interesting comparison. I've never really thought of that before, but I, I mean, but I'm also one of these people that thinks that that's an unholy amount of money. And it, there's no such thing as an unholy amount of money. That's because um, money is bad. Money is not money's bad. It can be for some people. Money, is, money is, is, uh, the only alternative of money. Uh, you either have money or a gun. Those are your two alternatives. I'll money is gun, of like voluntary exchange between people. And the only thing you have other than voluntary exchange is force. So you choose one money or guns. How do you want to run the world? Right. But, but I'm just saying, I think in that much money is a dangerous thing. Sometimes I don't think it's healthy for people. Um, I'm talking about, I don't, know. I, 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 don't, I don't see why not. Why is that not healthy? Mm. Would you like $50 million? Um, see, my instinct is to say yes, but actually probably I would not. I would not be good with it. <laughs> it would not be good for me. Then you may never earn it. I mean, <laughs> that's a separate issue. But I would like a modest, you know, pick a more reasonable number. Well, know? look, I mean, the, the fact is when you make that much money, I mean, I know I have friends who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think I, oh, actually, no, that's not true. I do have one friend who's a billionaire. Um, I don't see him very much. He's like a, more of an acquaintance, but uh it's not like it's not like these people, you know. You don't buy golden toilets and shit unless you're Trump, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, like weird people who do stupid stuff. But like most of them spend it 
building other companies, investing, all that, all that money that goes to investment is like that's creating jobs somewhere else and helping someone else build their company. Most of them get, uh, a lot of them get addicted to uh, funding startups and investing stuff. Like they turn into investors on the side. Um, okay, this is an interesting point. Let me ask you a question. Is this maybe why almost everyone who wins the lottery, who wins millions of dollars, it does horrible things to them because they didn't actually work to earn it. It was a fluke. Because they don't live a lifestyle where they would ever get that much money normally. And so uh, they don't know how to manage that much money. They all go broke. I mean, I think that the the number of people who actually have, if you win a million dollars in the lottery or or more, the number of people who actually maintain that, uh, like keep it in any way, uh, I think is very small. I think it's a very small percentage. I don't know what it is. We could look it oh, up. Oh, it's really small. It's it's actually fascinating. And it's not just that it's small. It ruins their, like a lot of them end up killing themselves. There's right. like murders in their families. There's, you know. Right, right. Um, but that's, but when you, you know, I don't think that happens at the CEO of Uber level uh, as much. Right, but that's why, I, that's an interesting question though, because maybe it's because, what you're arguing is a person who makes that much money by being the CEO of Uber has earned it and is able to yeah, look, I'm not saying have that any- much money without it ruining his life. Yeah, look, I'm not saying at any particular company, I don't know Uber's situation in, in particular. Maybe they're overpaying the CEO. Maybe he hasn't made them an extra $50 million or more a year. Maybe he sucks. I don't know, right? But you know, the market corrects over time. You've got investors in Uber. If he's not bringing in more than they're paying, they'll start, the stock price will start to decline because people don't, this is what's happening to Tesla. I mean, not because of Elon Musk's salary, but uh, people are hammering on Tesla because there's like a lot of promises and they haven't been delivered and it, the stock is starting to look shaky. Eventually that, that translates into shakeups at the board level and shakeups at the management level. Um, should the market be more responsive and do it faster? Yeah. Like uh, there, there's some inefficiencies there that I think are bad, but, um, you know, it's a reflection of how people perceive. So at the very least, it's a reflection of how people perceive the value that the CEO is giving, whether he's actually giving that value or not, that's, that's for the board and shareholders to determine, but it's at least a perception. It's a perception, right? They think that he's bringing in at least that much more money. Um, and, and in most cases, I would say that's probably true. Um, that's why the company continue, companies continue to grow. And, um, you know, Uber is a great example of like, oh, the CEO right now is not the original or even the first, I think he's the third or fourth CEO. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't always this big of a company and getting it to this size is very difficult. The current CEO didn't get it to this size, Travis. I think is mostly responsible for getting it to this size. But anyway, the point is, you know, you want the top talent and just like a sport, the top talent is expensive, right? The top talent is expensive and that's what you pay for it. Um, and if you don't want the top talent, you can pay less, right? But you, you get, often you get what you pay for, right? There are some exceptions. I would say the big banks, uh, the big banks are not really in the free market. They're like this cronyism scheme with the Federal Reserve and the government. Like, so I would say you know, hate on the big bank CEOs all you want because I don't, I don't think you can make an argument they're providing actual value there. Um, they're, they're, they're in this kind of uh, oligopoly, <laughs> oligarchy, oligarchy. Uh, so, but Uber's not. That was another rant. <laughs> Wasn't it? 
It was a fucking rant again. <laughs> okay, so wait, wait. I ranted. We had a side discussion about your previous business and probably even more boring stuff than the rant. But it's time to wrap the show up, Carrie. It's time to wrap the show up. We had a good time. We had a good confetti, guys. Come we back had a and great see us Most of it will be on the cutting room floor, the metaphorical cutting room floor. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Join us tomorrow for some more Kofifi. Oh, and uh, I think we had, I don't, I don't know if I want to announce him yet. Last time I announced someone, it didn't work out well. So let's not announce it. Uh, but we'll see everyone tomorrow for Deprogrammed and, of course, Daily Kofifi. So subscribe to us on YouTube, please. And uh, share the video. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got some editing to do. So hopefully we can get this down to less than an hour. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.